Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2017. We are reading from the big book, and we are on page 80, the very first paragraph. Today's readers are Deb Kay on the 12 Steps, Maggie S. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Gina R., Marie J., and Becky K. The reference numbers for yesterday, Sunday, the special edition meeting is 10,243. And for this morning, August 7th at 7 a.m. East Coast time, the reference number is 10,244. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deb Kay to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Deb Kay calling in from Oregon. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made a direct amends to each such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Deb Kay. And I will now ask Maggie S. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, this is Maggie S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Springwater, New York. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 
Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Maggie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 80, paragraph 1. We will read four paragraphs to the end of the page. And I will ask Gina R. to get us started. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Colorado and soon to head out to southern Arizona. And I look forward to studying the big book down there with you there and also face-to-face. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, we have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He had attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens in all of his citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. Let me set my timer. This is... uh, bringing up a lot of things for me today. I am just a little over a year of going through the steps and uh, being recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And when I started my uh, ninth step amends, 
And I would add uh, for anybody out there who thinks um, working another 12-step program that your credits transfer um, when you do this program, at least for me, they didn't. Um, I had not done a thorough job in the other programs, and this was very different. But I had just enough knowledge about it that I thought I knew what to do in certain circumstances. But thank, thank God, thank my higher power, I did consult my sponsor. And I did have a situation where I had someone who reported to me who many people thought there might have been some um, mental illness going on. And there was a situation where human resources had to get involved. And for a while, uh, like three months, I was really afraid that uh, my job was on the line because she was accusing me of some things. I ultimately was exonerated and went through the entire process um, but it was very, very hard. And when I did my fourth step, that situation came up and I realized that there probably were some things that I did cause her harm. Um, but in the context of this particular situation, my sponsor had recommended that I not approach her because it could create more harm now. And it would stir things up that ultimately came out about her that would have hurt her. But when I originally was thinking about making the amend, um, I, I didn't know right away that my motivation really was I just, I wanted to just feel better. And I know that that can be an outcome when we go through this process, but that isn't what this is about. This isn't about me feeling better for wrongs I've caused. It's about me recognizing the wrongs I've caused, going through the process of understanding exactly what my part is, and then where it's appropriate for me to make an amend and then what that amend would look like. So what I am doing now is an, a living amend and um, in situations where I've um, had similar circumstances in supervising somebody, I can tell you that I'm behaving much differently. And for that, I'm so very grateful. And with that, I pass and I wish you well, everybody. Thank you, Gina R. So who would like to share on these four paragraphs? Judy P. Judy P. Anyone else? Jody Jody EQ. Jody EQ. We can take a couple more. Marie J. Marie Jackie B. from the Bronx. And Jackie B. Let's start with those. We have Judy P., Jody E.Q., Marie J., and Jackie B. Please go ahead, Judy. Thanks so much. Um, Judy, compulsive overeater from Central New Jersey, and thanks for your service. You know, when I was um, listening to this, and especially going to the church, I did have something um, that I felt I needed to make an amends my husband for, but I knew it would fall under um, injuring him and causing him harm. And I actually went to my minister and spoke to him about it, and he said, you need to tell your husband everything. And, you know, I had to go against what the minister said. Um, you know, I would love to have to clear my conscience, but I, I can't do that at his expense. And sometimes I feel, um, I don't know, it's just Part of the penance is having, you know, I've forgiven myself. I know God's forgiven me, but having to live with it and not, um, you know, at, at somebody else's expense, clear my conscience. Um, this whole thing, though, with the men, uh, the greatest freedoms I've ever gotten from making amends where I did not think possible. And, um, you know, amends, I just didn't think would ever be made or have to be made, but... If it's something that keeps coming up, I know I had to. And the hardest amends I ever had to make was to my brother, who was all over my fourth step for everything wrong he had done to me, but it had to do with my father's death. And um, I did not put my father in a feeding tube, and I didn't let my brother have any say in the matter. 
and it was a really hard amends to make to my brother, but I owed it to him. And um, I got through it. I couldn't stop crying, but he said it was okay. And it was after that I could really feel the forgiveness of myself, which I know how to come from God. But I am so grateful for um, for these steps in particular because it, I can't sweep anything under the rug. It's just going to keep coming up in my head no matter how hard I try to erase it. It's just going to keep coming up. And um, just feeling really grateful today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judy P. Uh, Jody EQ, please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in Florida today. So, um, yeah, the ninth step. Not an easy step, for sure, as we know. And I do agree with everyone that it's so important to uh, talk over each amend with my sponsor. I didn't do that years ago, early on in my recovery journey. I uh, I went to my husband and blurted out some things that were hurtful, very hurtful. And I really regret that. So it's really important to um, make sure that what you say is not hurtful and harmful in any way. Um, I also want to say, and I know this might be controversial to say, but uh, I think it is important that I forgive myself um, as I go through this process, pray for myself even. Because if I'm not, if I'm in self, uh, morbid reflections, remorse, uh, self-hatred, that that just as uh, resentment towards the other person is not good to have when I go into the amends process. It's not. Also, it's also not good if I'm in uh, self-hatred or self-resentment. That also is going to leak out. And I may become scraping and servile and like a doormat. Um, so prayer for those I have harmed and prayer for myself so that I can go into the situation, into the amends with humility. I, I, am, I have made mistakes, yes. I have been hurtful, yes. And I want to amend that to the best of my ability. But I also need to forgive myself and know that I'm just a human being doing the best that I know how to do at the time. Yeah. So, um, also, I also really love the reminder to um, ask the person that I make amends to if there's anything else I have forgotten. I've had um, people remind me of things that I had forgotten. And I want to know those things. It helps me to see myself better, understand myself better. Sometimes I do harmful things that I'm not aware of, and I want to be made aware and be given a chance to make amends for that as well. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody EQ. Marie J., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Marie J. recovered in Colorado. And uh, I, I love that <clears throat> this is another reminder. This step is another reminder of humility for me, just like the seventh step. And that's that's a character liability that I struggle with. And um, the, the definition is a modest view of one's own importance. And sometimes this ninth step can feel like humiliation, not humility. And humiliation is embarrassment and shame and disgrace and indignity. And what the ninth step asks us to do in this paragraph, I love this line, it's placing the outcome in God's hands. Um, you know, we all have stuff that we've, uh, we've done that we don't like and that we're embarrassed about and, and undignified. And I hang on to these and I make myself a bad person when I'm stuck in my disease, I shame myself. And this step allows me 
to account for my mistakes and accept that I'm human and I'm imperfect. And that requires some humility and also some acceptance that, you know, that's okay. That's, that's okay. We're all in different places at different times. And um, so I relapsed in my next step two times. And um, it was just because I couldn't do, I couldn't do the last three amends. And I still had lots of pride and self-righteousness that I was hanging on to. And I was really unwilling to place the outcome in God's hands. And I was hanging on to a lot of fear and wanted to know how it was going to go and didn't really want to do it and all kinds of self-will and self-reliance. And I just wouldn't do it to God. I wouldn't do it and my will got in the way and I relapsed. And that was 16 months ago. And then I got into vision and did the work this way in the big book with the, with the um, instructions, the real cut, clear cut directions and was able to get through that ninth step and get on the other side with freedom because I was also able to find some humility and let go of my pride. So it, you know, took a couple rounds before pain was great enough. You know, I had to fail a couple times getting through and resting on my laurels and I had to get desperate before I really could get that humility and see um, the real gift that this experience is. And I had to see how those experiences of relapse also helped me to get to that desperation and get to that place where myself and my pride and my self-righteousness could finally be given to God. And there's no shame in that. You know, it takes what it takes. And higher power continues to um, up the ante with me and with new growth opportunities and constantly being faced. But I no longer have to shame myself. And I don't, I don't do things perfectly, and now I can accept that, but I can give that over to higher power. I just know that it's just the next opportunity to practice constantly giving it over and turning over the outcome and doing what it takes to have the humility to step up and own my stuff. And the bottom line is on the step, the ninth step, I was amazed before I was halfway through, just like the promises say. And, um, you know, the freedom from self and all this self-centered, self-righteous, self-concerned um, liabilities is really that's remarkable. And that's what, that's what the ninth step gives us. Thank you. Thank you, Marie J. And Jackie B., please go ahead. Jackie, hi, I'm Jackie. Yeah, okay. hi, I'm Jackie B. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, thank you everyone for your service and all the shares. Uh, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Um, When I made my amends, um, I had to be willing, no matter what, to make whatever financial, whatever emotional uh, restitution I had to make. Um, That meant that I had to sit there and listen and let other people tell me um, what how they saw uh, my uh, dealings were and what I did to harm them. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, I made mistakes, and yet I still had to do it. You know, like when I made my amends to my husband um, recently, you know, uh, he said to me, well, don't you owe me $10,000? And that was like, whoa, how could that be? Um, and then, you know, going over that, realize it wasn't. It was just, you know, that's the way he saw it. Uh, but you know what? I didn't do my amends until I talked to my sponsor. Let me tell you, under any no circumstances do I do anything without discussing it with my sponsor. Um, because I don't know everything. And thank God that I do have a sponsor to deal with these kinds of things. Um, but you know what? I have to be willing and accepting that, you know, that amends has to be made. I made restitution to um, my nieces 
and my sister uh, years ago financially in this program because I've been in this program over 25 years. But it wasn't until I made my another second amends to my sister that I found out my niece wanted just to hear, I'm sorry, and I didn't hear it, you know? So um, I was just so accepting. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. Okay, we have time for another group. Who would like to share? Liati D. Liati? Okay, who is the second person? I'm sorry, I it's muddled. What is your name? Oh, Derek K. Thank you, Melanie. Derek, I got your name. Who else? Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Anyone else? John K. John K. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Becky K. Okay, and Becky K. Okay, let's stop there and see how we do with time. Um, I have Liatz B, Derek K, Kathleen O, John K, Sherry KB, and Becky K. Um, okay, Liat TD, go ahead. Yes, hi, good morning, everyone. Liat TD from California. Um, thank you for all the people that are doing this uh, meeting this morning and being there. Um, you know, about step nine and the reading, you know, I I always thought I was a really nice person. Uh, but until I got sober with my food and uh, started working the steps, I didn't realize that I really, I, I lived most of my life in a state of oblivion. I didn't, I never intended to harm anybody. I actually really wanted everyone to love me and I wanted to do good in the world um, for uh, selfish reasons, but I didn't even realize how I am operating in this world. And it took a very, very long time of being clean with the food and um, and starting to work the steps to, as the big book outlines uh, to get out of the hole that I was in. I didn't really, I, 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 I was not aware of anything. And um, going through the fourth step and fifth step, I really got to see why I did those things. You know, why did I not keep friendships? Because I didn't know how to have friends. I, you know, I was terrified of people and I didn't keep commitment. I was, you know, in selfish self-centeredness. Why did I not return items? Because I was procrastinating and keeping it to the last minute until it was too late and then I would just give it all up and then I'll eat because I couldn't take it, and so on. And so everything that I have done, any, anyone that I've harmed, had came from the nature of my character defect, and uh, it never was intentional. So once I discovered the way I operated in this world, I was able to see, wow, I was wrong. And I always give this example, you know, when I go in the supermarket with a cart, and I'm not paying attention, I bump into someone, I don't feel, I, I, I sincerely feel sorry. I was wrong. I was not paying attention, and I apologize for sincerity. I harmed someone, you know, and, um, and that's what happened to me, you know, with the previous steps. I realized, wow, the way I was operating in this world was wrong, and these people got the end of the stick. You know, I need to amend it. I need to, you know, and all this is for the purpose of change. So Liat will be responsible and return, the, you know, and I need to take those action and be committed to that ninth step and not just say sorry and continue to not return books or, you know, I need to start asking God to help me be responsible, to help me be a friend to, you know, and so um, it's, this is a step of change and 
And there's no beating myself up. I really was not aware I was gone in my head. I was in a state of oblivion most of my life in the food and a lot of years, even not in the food. So I'm grateful for it. You know, it wakes me up. And uh, I love you all. Bye, I pass. Thank you, Liat TD. And Derek Kay, please go ahead. Derek, are you there? Okay, we'll come back to Derek if he's able to unmute. Uh, Kathleen O, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Kathleen O, Recover Compulsive Overeater in California. And gosh, I'm so grateful for all the wonderful shares this morning. And, you know, this is really about cleaning up the wreckage of my past, making amends to people who I have harmed. And I love the examples in this book. And this man who went before the congregation, I thought, you know, gosh, that's that's heavy-duty stuff. And, you know, all the examples I hear on the lines, um, it's so helpful because I, I think, you know, I can do this too, you know. And, and I have done it in the past. I, I did a very thorough uh, four steps several years ago and made some what I call heavy duty amends and um, and and it is important it was important for me to when I had written down the harms that I that I actually did um, go over these with my sponsor and you know we're so lucky to have a sponsor um, and to have a lot of recovered people on this line even that we can kind of kick things around with and um and you know once i had a clear picture of what i needed to do it was a lot easier to do and you know the the problem with trying to hold on to anything um is it just it was you know there was a few things i wanted to hold on to and it was taking up pretty much real estate in my head um and you know to be abstinent and to be useful in life, I had to clear out this stuff because in order to be useful and be abstinent, I needed to get the freedom, you know? And and if I didn't make these amends, there was a really high chance I was going to eat again and there was a really high chance that I was going to repeat the same mistakes I had done before. So this is really wonderful, amazing work. And I have to say that you know, one of the hardest amends I had to make was with a previous employer, and I didn't even know how to find this man. And, um, you know, it's like God does do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And this man, after 15 years, appeared in my life, and um, and I was able to make this amends with him. And And part of him just appearing after all these years, I knew it was God having my back, and I knew I could be honest with this man. And um, and I tell you, the freedom that I that I would get from these heavy-duty amends, like I like to call them, is just really, really incredible. So, um, it you know, it totally is about swallowing our pride and and deflating that ego. <clears throat> excuse me, and and just walking with our higher power through this because it's really an amazing process. And thank you, I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O, for your share. I'm going to check in to see if Derek K is available. Okay, I guess not. Uh, John K, please go ahead. Good morning. This is John Kiernan in uh, Los Angeles, Recovered Compulsive Old Reader. Thank you, Team Monday. Um, you know, this page talks about the tough ones. You know, the vast majority of uh, amends, I think, are no-brainers, you know, but there are some that are genuinely perplexing and morally tough questions and decisions to make. And as has been said, we definitely need to have input on this. And in some cases, you know, it takes a lot of thinking, a lot of talking out, and a lot of praying. You know, I know as a sponsor, I don't want to counsel something so important to someone without a lot of consideration and a lot of prayer and sometimes talking to my sponsor, you know, that's the great thing about this sponsor chain. You can always kick stuff upstairs. Um, 
But, you know, we're compulsive people, and the idea of not making a deserving amend sometimes flies in the face of our compulsive nature and our desire for, for perfection. But, uh, you know, sometimes we just can't, you know, because it's that except when to do so would injure them or others uh, part. You know, the others can't just be me, mind you. You know, that would have been my wonderful cop out well, uh, injure them or others rather than injure me. No, no. But if I have responsibilities, if I have a family, or if there are other things that have to be taken into consideration. I know, um, not in this program, another one, I remember having a sponsee who talked about, you know, having, you know, in his drinking and drugging past, uh, you know, ripping off a drug dealer. And, um, I mean, on one hand, I can find some humor in the idea of, of uh, you know, doing wrong to somebody who's in the middle of doing another wrong, but, you know, it's our side of the street. And the reality was, uh, that person was a dangerous person to go make amends to, not just in terms of, you know, certain things, but literally physically dangerous. It could have hurt him, could have harmed him, could have harmed his family. And that was only he just had to say, I have to walk away from I had another, I know a friend who had a sponsee who uh, wanted to make amends for having done tax evasion. The trouble was is that tax evasion was part of a partnership. And for him to go make that amends would have taken his partners down with him. He didn't have the right do that, you know, because one of our major defects is self-centeredness, and it's been said many times, we can't relieve our own guilt on the backs of others, you know, so, you know, when it says injure them or others, you know, when I was new, I thought that was like, oh, you know, if you have an affair, you can't go say, I'm sorry, you're having an affair with your wife, because first of all, that would injure them, him and the wife, but it can be people that are, are whose lives overlap yours, and, uh, and the last thing I'll just sort of say, because somebody brought it up, is about the amends to yourself. When I was, uh, and I don't know, the first, I don't know how many years, I was sort of the hardcore AA guy that said, no, you don't make amends to yourself. But, you know, it says uh, you made a list of all people we had harmed. It doesn't say except ourselves. Uh, I don't think I've made a huge, it wasn't a huge part, but I, I can see, you know, most of us compulsive eaters, one of the main people we hurt the most is ourselves, how much we limited our lives how much we live, you know, lesser lives because of our impulse feeding. And I don't think it is a bad thing. Again, I wouldn't put myself at the top, but uh, I, it is something to mention. Anyway, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, John Kay. Uh, Sherry KP, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful recovered compulsive reader. Thank you so much for your service, Kathy. Nice to hear you on the line. And, uh, here we are again at step nine. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that we have specific instruction here. It says before taking the drastic action. Then it says we secure their consent and that we ask God to help. Anytime we see the word ask, it means a prayer. So we, we pray and ask God for help and that we must not shrink. So, um, and then at, on line uh Paragraph 4, it says, after consulting with his wife and partner. So there's a lot of instruction here of what to do. Um, and then it says here, we, we saw he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. And to me, I know some people call it conditions. I've been told it's called warning. So this is another warning here. And it's telling me if I don't follow through with those scary amends that I will pick up again. And... Um, and, you know, in the beginning of the book, it says, how free do we want to be? We, we've agreed to go to any lengths. And for me, I know that by going through the book this way, the way I was taken through, it totally prepared me to get to this place. And then also know that I'm not alone, um, that, you know, my, my step guy can help me, my sponsor, other recovered people in the program. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about how I, I've gotten some calls lately from people who are talking about their four and nine. And, um, you know, we can refer to things in this book because that's what's so beautiful about it. And what I think about is on page 124 where it talks about how that our grosser handicaps can be assets to help somebody else. So I know that when, you know, I know that my behavior has – I've always – oh, shoot, I didn't put myself on a timer – uh, Kathy, I've you got you, Kathy. Sure. Thank you. Um, anyhow, um, you know, my some of my handicaps are justifying, explaining, and defending. And so, you know, in my head, I always would make something worse than what it was, 
or I made the other person worse than what I was. And so I had to get down to the truth. And through going through this work and getting clear and talking with other people and going through this work, it really helped me to see my part. And I can remember not too long ago I had to make an amends to somebody. And, you know, I really felt my higher power with me when I made that call. And I felt like I was being held. And that just convinces me how powerful this work is and what can happen. And it's not for me to do it alone. I always get support and help. Um, I don't ever have to do this alone. And and with that, I pass. And and I have my higher power with me at all times. And that's what, what I see that helps is that, you know, my higher power is with me. The people in this program are with me. I can call them before and after. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. And um, Becky K, please go ahead. Thank you. This is Becky K, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Maryland. Oh, the beauty um, of being on this line is hearing all the shares, but um, I, I think everyone has pretty much um, said it all, which is so great. That's, that's for me. That's, I learn from others and learn so much from reading this book. And I, too, wanted to share on the, the, the statement here in the beginning of this page that says, have consulted with others ask God to help, as well as after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion. When I was in the food, you know, I couldn't see straight. I did things that I was totally in my own will, either trying to protect myself or doing things that I felt completely rational. But as step one says, you know, I was not sane. I did things. I hurt people. I, I... And that's why I took step one, you know, please, I know I'm powerless and I need to be returned to sanity. So then when I I got out of the food and I had a little bit of clarity, I realized that I did have to clear the wreckage of my past. I did have to make amends. But there were times where I didn't know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it. And that's where I had to consult with others. And and here it says this this the the author who penned this said, you know, he consulted with his wife and his partner. You know, I had to consult with my husband, with my sponsor, with other fellows. I made hookup calls. What do you think? What should I do? How should I do it? When should I do it? I needed clarity because I didn't have any. I didn't know how to act. All I knew is when I ate then I was either, you know, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as as said earlier in this book, I was either a raving lunatic or, you know, a complete people pleaser. And so I needed the guidance and direction. And and as this, this page states, I had to also be willing to take the risk needed. And so, and to turn those consequences over to God and, and, you know, my husband and my sponsor and my fellows, they were my new moral compass and they helped me make the amends that I needed to make. And I also wanted to share, when I first started in program, I also had down amends that I thought I had to make that my sponsor made it real clear. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not an amends you had to make. Um, I was, you know, abused as a small child and I had that I had to make amends to my abuser. And my sponsor set me straight like, no, you do not have to make amends to that person. Um, I had to work through my feelings and, and my actions through other steps. And, but in terms of what I needed to do, where, when, how, et cetera, I needed that guidance and I still need that guidance. And that's why I even turned to this big book, because that is my my textbook for how to live life on life's terms. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Becky Kay. Okay, we have time for um, at least two more shares. Who would like to share? Brittany. Brittany. Who is the? I'm sorry. Who is the second person? Wendy N. Wendy N. Okay, and I got you, Reggie O, as well. We'll see if we have time. Go ahead, Brittany. 
Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, this is Brittany M., a compulsive reader in Spokane, Washington. And um, I'm in the process of doing my amends, working the ninth step. And um, I'm really grateful for my sponsor and her encouragement that to really make sure that um, I'm in conscious contact with God and really fostering that relationship because these amends, in order to make them, to know the timing, the order, um, what it is that needs to be done, I really have to have that relationship with my higher power. And I would love to be able to call all of you and get an answer of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is when I'm supposed to do it. At 3 p.m. today, this person will be willing to talk to me. Um, and then I'll have a release and, and all will be well. But that's not how it's been going down at all. And, um, you know, just the other day I went, I have a, an amends to make for a cat that I, that I once owned. And um, I'm going to do some service, some volunteer work at the, at the cat clinic. And I was willing to go in there and tell them the reason why I was there. And something was like telling me, no, this isn't the time. This isn't the time. And I followed that inner ticker and I went back and I read the ninth step and it said ultimately our purpose is to be of maximum service and usefulness to those about us. And I could see how potentially me using this as a confession could have prevented my usefulness. It's not to say that today when I go there, there doesn't the nudge to like to go further and explain um, if I could be useful, you know, why it is that I'm there. Um, also, I have an amends for, uh, I, I worked at a hospital and ate a lot of food and we weren't supposed to eat there. However, my husband, he still works there. And so I have to consult with him first. And I just see that part of me is thinking like, oh, great, I can donate this money to a charity because the hospital doesn't deserve um, doesn't deserve this this repayment because I've got these prejudices and I see that I need to work through this resentment and just realizing that I don't know what's best and what's going to be um, required of me and you know I I keep thinking of the analogy lately that you know I used to live my life like I was in a boxing ring and like you know control master pummel and now working these steps, I, I see it that I'm like on my toes a lot more. I'm not fighting, but I'm constantly in defense posture a bit, um, trying to expect where the next blow is going to come from. But I also see that this is an opportunity for me to realize that I'm not in the boxing ring. I'm laying on my yoga mat in Shavasana, completely surrendered. Or I'm by the ocean and I'm cradled by the warm sand. And um, I can lean into my higher power and trust that um, at each moment I'll be given direction for how um, I'm supposed to show up in life. And um, I'm so grateful for this process. That's time. Hello? Did you finish, Brittany? Okay, um, Wendy N., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Wendy M. from Colorado. I'm grateful to be on the line. Thank you so much for your service. So the word that stuck out for me was risk, and I never took a risk. Risk meant I might feel something. Risk meant um, I may be uncomfortable. Um, I wasn't living my life in risk. I was living my life in the dark, in a secret, in the I'm not going to admit anything. And not only am I not going to admit anything, I didn't even know there was anything to admit. Um, I'm doing my fourth step right now, right? So I'm writing down the harms and it will become my eighth, eighth step list. And um, I can't believe and um, how I rampaged through life how I was dangerous. I mean, what I've done and how I've spoken and how I've treated my family members is dangerous. It's, 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 and, 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 and I thought it was nothing. That's the point, right? So I get to be in a program that says, let's write down your harms. 
write let's write these things down so you can make amends. And I didn't even know the depth of what I had created, the havoc that I had created. And the and yeah. And then the other piece is I was of course self speaking and wanted to feel good all the time, so why would I want to make an amends? But the point is I didn't even know what I didn't even know. I had no idea what I was doing to my family. Even now, 16, 17 years in, um, and so I get this amazing opportunity to put shine the light and to take a look. And it's been an incredible process. It's been an amazing process. Um, you know, and it's not just in my head. I am not looking at the harms I have done from an intellectual point of view. It is in my body. I am crying all the time. Thank you, God. And when I cry, it's a prayer to God. God and I are having a conversation, and God is, God is saying, thank God. Now you can feel it. You can feel what you've done all these years, and even all these weeks, all these months. I mean, this is not ancient history. Um, and God is putting up a mirror and saying, here's what you're doing, and this is what it looks like. And the minute I have that prayer and that relief, I get that freedom. Freedom from the bondage of self. Freedom from harming others even more. This is an incredible process, an incredible program. And I get to do these nine-step amends, and I get to do them happily. And I get to have the freedom. And they get a beautiful wife and a beautiful mother, hopefully, (laughs) in exchange for this work that I am doing. And it is work. This is painful, and it's happily painful. Like, bring it on. I want the freedom. I want to be a person who can be useful. That's time. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Wendy M. I'm sorry, Reggie, we won't have time to hear from you today, so please make an outreach call if that would be helpful. Okay, uh, we will now close the meeting um, with the reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that with the serenity prayer. Marie J., would you please read a vision for you? Thanks, Kathy. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Marie Jake, recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.